Same thing with war. It'll continue. The endless wars, the forever wars, the wars for liberalism. And a lot of this stuff, like I said, is not going to happen immediately, but you can definitely expect at least one new military conflict within the first term of the Biden administration. No, John Doyle, that will not happen. You are not a preeminent genius, nor are you handsome and cool, which is why many people do not want to be your friend and invite you to pizza parties. Joe Biden is a competent leader who is respected by the world. Liberal democracy will always prevail. Why yes I am fat gay and retarded and my entire ideology is a series of rationalizations for why I'm addicted to touching my own PP and want to molest children. I've been ready, my whip been ready, my bitch been ready, my click been ready, my shit been ready, my checks been ready, my shots on full, that's all I'm getting. I got pull, I hope y'all ready, my tank on full, you know unleaded, I gotta go get it, I gotta go get it, I gotta go get it, I gotta go get it. My name gon' hold up, my team gon' hold up, my name gon' hold up, my team gon' hold up, my shots gon' fly, my team gon' roll up, my Nazi twice, my queen gon' roll up, I hope y'all ready, you know I'm ready, I rain all day, you know confetti, I gotta go get it, I gotta go get it, I gotta go get it, I gotta go get it. John Doyle in. Heck off, Kami. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Heck Off, Kami. We are here today as America's leading expert on foreign policy, real, to discuss the unpopular but correct take on Ukraine, on Russia, on everything that's been going on recently. And we're going to cover a lot of information that basically no one else is talking about. So if you're interested in truth or at least having an open mind, then you do have to watch all the way through. And I'm going to respectfully ask for your patience here, because even if you disagree, you do kind of have to acknowledge that I'm swimming upstream against what is a virtual consensus in the media and in the government. Remember, all of the people who you know are corrupt liars who have sold you out at every opportunity that they've been given. But now all of a sudden, now, now we're going to trust them. We're going to trust the experts, to be honest with us, to tell us what is good and what is bad. But because of that, there's a lot to get through. And my biggest fear is that I don't get to make my case in its entirety. And there's a few important reasons that I waited to talk about this for so long. But here we go. So as I'm sure you're aware, a few weeks ago, Russia launched an invasion into neighboring Ukraine. And what we have witnessed in the time since has been absolutely incredible. And since I'm not interested in wasting anybody's time, I'll just state my position now, which is that I literally do not care about it in the slightest. And there's actually no reason for America. American patriots to care about it in the slightest. And this is not because I'm apathetic towards it, but rather because I actually understand it very well, which is why, if anything, I'm probably more sympathetic to the Russians, actually. And if you disagree with me, you don't like my position, if that position angers you, don't write to me anything angry. It would actually be a better use of your time to just write a letter to the State Department in which you congratulate them on the effectiveness of their propaganda. And I'm saying this outright, again, because I'm really not interested in wasting anybody's time. And these last few weeks have really vindicated that belief I have that something like 95% of people aren't even real people. They don't have agency. They're NPCs. And I've tried having this conversation with people who I used to respect, and it's literally not possible because nothing they're saying is like an actual argument or even something that can be maybe better explained with additional context. No, it's literally just lies. It's the understanding of global politics that is the caliber of a Saturday morning cartoon. Like they can only conceptualize geopolitics like they're used to seeing in cartoons or movies where there's just this madman and he's just gone mad with power and he's going to take over the world and blow us to bits. It's not even worth engaging with. So save us both the time because if you're upset about my position on this, not just that you disagree, but you can feel yourself become upset by my position. It is 100% because you've been consuming the mainstream media propaganda, which we can't forget is any 
engineered to get you to react in a certain way. And if you haven't taken the time to understand the history of this, you haven't taken the time to listen to what the Russian government has been saying about this, not even just recently, but in 2018, 2014, 2007, 1997, et cetera, at the very least, just watch this all the way through because otherwise you're just in an echo chamber that was designed, again, to emotionally manipulate you. I promise you that there's no argument or piece of information that you could present to me about this, which I haven't heard before, especially if you're just paraphrasing whatever you just heard from the screen people within the last 10 days about this. Oh, well, he must not care about Ukraine. He must not know all of these things I just learned from the screen people about Eurasian geopolitics. Right. So at least hear me out and then make up your mind. But. Yeah, we're going to go over why everyone suddenly cares about this, if anybody should be caring about this. Most importantly, why the people in charge want you to care about this, along with so much more, so do stay tuned. But before we even get into what's happening and if anyone should care about this, let's just leave that as neutral right now. We have to at least acknowledge first that this seemingly overnight consensus has formed that it is the morally correct position to be outspokenly in support of Ukraine right now, right? I mean, think about it. Like, who in your day-to-day -day life ever mentioned Ukraine as recently as two months ago? But now I would wager that everyone in your circle has probably brought it up to you, or maybe you felt compelled to bring it up to them, and they've got an opinion on it, maybe you do, etc. The point being that this is the grandest display of what's being referred to now as mass formation psychosis or groupthink, people being sheep, being lemmings, etc., we've ever seen because even with something like Black Lives Matter, you know, that dates back to 2014. It took a while for it to become like a household name or a household discussion or even with the pandemic. There was a buildup to the peak of it and it was actually originally a left-wing position to not buy into it because they thought that Trump was trying to like manufacture this crisis in order to stay in power. So we at least have to appreciate this in terms of like the just complete government and media consensus, complete domination of all narratives and proportion of subscription and engagement from the general public. This is probably the greatest example of this phenomenon in history, largely thanks to technology and in particular social media. So if we can at least agree that this concern has been manufactured by the media and by the government, maybe for a good reason, maybe not for a good reason, that nobody would have been talking about this if not for these narratives being evangelically established by virtually every influential institution in the country, we then have to ask ourselves if this is legitimate or not. And we're not even talking about their end of it yet, right? Like we're not even talking about whether the United States necessarily has a geopolitical interest in Ukraine that's legitimate. Like we're still talking about it from our end. So let me ask you something if you're in the pro-Ukraine camp. Um, did you care about the civil war in Guatemala, which killed 100,000 people? Or what about the Iran-Iraq war, which killed 1 million people? Certainly the Congo civil war, which has killed 5.5 million people. Or at least the drug wars in Mexico, right, which have killed 375,000 people. All of these conflicts have occurred in the last few decades. They've all objectively been more brutal than what's happening now. So why didn't you care? Like, seriously, why not? Why didn't anyone care? And the reason that no one, including yourself, gave a damn is the same reason that everyone, including yourself, gives a damn now. The media. So the only question left for an honest person to ask themselves is why does the media want me to care about this conflict in particular? Less people are are dying. It's less brutal. We have no geopolitical interest in Ukraine, just as we did in all these other conflicts. So then why? What's your answer? You don't have one because you didn't care and you probably didn't even know about those. And yet, amazingly, you still probably feel exactly the same about the Ukraine situation despite this because your position is not rooted in historical knowledge. It is rooted in that you have been emotionally manipulated by wartime propaganda. That is the reality of your situation. And the only thing left for you to do if you're an honest person is to ask yourself why that may be. Why do all of the people in the world who you know are the worst, who you know are against you, why do they want to, you to buy into this? 
And believe me, I know the usual suspects. You'll tell me, oh, Russia is a communist dictatorship that hates us for our freedom. That's actually not true. Like, I'm not even just saying that to push back. Like, that's just objectively not true. Oh, it's our patriotic duty to fight for freedom. Putin's a madman who's going to blow us to bits the second he gets the chance. He's just like Hitler. If he takes Ukraine, he won't stop. Madomino theory. Something Cold War, damn it. These are all ridiculous positions. I'm sorry. It's true. These are all ridiculous positions. And as we continue, we'll explain. But if you're still on the fence about this whole thing, uh, you'll notice the people who are in opposition to me, the people who are not even just neutral or ambivalent, but the people who are pro-Ukraine, they are literally incapable of making arguments. Like everything that they're saying boils down basically to people are dying. We have to stand up for our values, whatever that means. Like, who's this our? I'm, I'm just, I'm not dying for pride praise in Kiev. I'm not going to do it. Or literally like, oh, well, if we don't take out Putin, he's going to blow us to bit. Like, it's always the Saturday morning cartoon. It's always them projecting their own emotional manipulation onto you, et cetera. Like, these are just not serious people. And I'm probably going to get frustrated when talking about this. I will. But you'll notice that it's only going to be when we're talking about how all of a sudden everybody has allowed the media to manipulate them into supporting this narrative. Like, you're not going to see me getting all emotional when talking about, you know, what led to this, whether we have any interest in Ukraine, why the globalist American empire wants us to, you know, all get on board with this, etc. But, you know, the same can't be said for these people, these people who all of a sudden are so concerned about a country that never crossed their mind as recently as four weeks ago. And it's because they can only argue from emotion because they were only convinced by emotion, by propaganda that was literally engineered to elicit an emotional response from you, which would compel you to support a narrative. And I know we've spent a lot of time on this, but this cannot be overstated because it just shows that having a free and normal society is impossible in this country with the way that the media is currently operating because people are at any given point, literally days away from falling into line with whatever the regime decides. And, you know, I know I'm usually, I'm such a chipper young man. I always got a pep in the step. This issue though, in particular, it struck a nerve. It's the inflection point between my favorite thing in the world, which is the boys, the forgotten gamers of America, and my least favorite thing in the world, the global libtard menace, the globalist American empire, mobilizing all the retarded people, to get the boys killed, ruin whatever future prospects they have left. And, you know, I guess you could say that me caring about that is what influences my view on this. But, you know, we talk about that too, how as much as we would like to pretend otherwise, the politics is always personal. And the difference would be that I am consciously choosing to care about the boys, which is why we advocate for the Christian virtues. We advocate against vices like pornography and drug use, which, you know, it's applicable to everybody, but still. And it recalls something that my mom used to say to my sister and me when we were growing up, which is, uh, I think it comes from Proverbs. It's that you have to guard your heart. She's going to see this. She's going to get so excited. Hey, you're not off the hook yet. You know, frankly, you need to be guarding your heart from Fox News propaganda, mom. Fox News warmongering that's going to get me and my cool friends killed, mom. But this really is important, especially given the way the flow of information has developed in this country. Like, you really have to guard your heart, which, of course, means that you have to be very careful with what goes into it, very careful about what comes out of it, because you really do have something of an emotional bandwidth. You only have, like, so much energy to give, so to speak. And if you're not guarding your heart, then you're only one or two pieces of state propaganda away from losing control of yourself and basically being like puppeteered by your heartstrings. You have to be on top of these things because people cannot be able to manipulate you by your emotions because your emotions above all else are what compel you to act. And so we have to be very careful. It is absolutely senseless to invest emotional energy into that which you cannot control. So it's not that we don't recognize that people dying is bad, that war is a tragedy. Of course we do, but we're also maintaining control of our emotions so as to analyze it as objectively as possible. And this is often overlooked within the discussion surrounding discipline, being stoic, etc. You have to 
to be in control of your emotions. Not ignore them, pretend they don't exist, but to have control over them. You have to guard your heart. And for some reason that we'll explore as we continue, all of the worst people in the world, the most incompetent people in the world, the ones in charge of what we all know is going to hell in a handcart, the people who celebrate the genocide of the unborn, they openly advocate for sexual activity with children, the people who destroyed our economy and muzzled your children, these are the people who are now telling you, again, it is a virtual consensus that you, you really just need to care about this. You really just need to support this narrative. And like what? You trust them all of a sudden? And remember, we learned from the prophet Isaiah that those who deny God and turn away from his truth will be blinded by him and made incapable of seeing the truth. So perhaps you should ask yourself if the people who deny even the truth of biological sex are really the people with whom you should be allied right now. That's the bottom line. If you are buying into this narrative, you are allied with the people who you know are the worst people in the world, and an honest person would think twice about why that may be, because that should alarm you. And frankly, if you've bought into this in any capacity, I will never fully respect you again. Like, you've shown us who you are. And maybe my opinion of you means very little, it probably should, I'm just a guy, but the point is that when you entertain the promotion of wartime propaganda, when you expend your emotional band with on this, you are, whether you intend to or not, enabling the foundations to be built for sending young Christian boys to go die fighting on behalf of an evil empire. So if your political opinions are going to get my friends and any fraction of the next generation of Americans killed for nothing, just shut the fuck up. Just shut your fucking mouth. Like, I know that we live in a democracy and you think your opinion and your voice like really matters. It doesn't. I know you think, oh, you're really doing your research on this, right? By listening to uh, different components of what is a virtual consensus by the media, which by the way, is all owned by like six different companies and which serves as the propaganda extension of the regime. Oh, and you're talking to your friends about it. Oh, well, did you hear these, these bullet points from Sean Hannity that I just learned that were all disproved an hour later? Oh, interesting. Well, you know, I heard these bullet points that turned out to be lies two hours later. Did you know these? Like, just stop. If you do not have knowledge or opinions of this conflict that transcend the caliber of a Saturday morning cartoon, or if you're not willing to pick up a rifle or at least send enough money for one soldier's equipment, probably about $20,000 over there, shut up indefinitely. Nothing you say about this matters. You are contributing to the hive mind consensus that is designed to get American boys killed. You are filling the role of the useful idiot for a regime that hates you. Do you understand that? How could you not understand that after the last two years of the American experience? Because I probably read a dozen or so books on this. <laughs> well, what, so that makes you the expert more than you? Yeah, yeah, and likely more than anyone that you've talked to about this, and certainly more than the screen people who are feeding you this bullshit that you gobble up like a pig. And I know I'm abrasive right now, but at least it's because I'm choosing to care. At least it's because I consciously and actually care about this country and what's best for its families. And as we'll explain, that is the opposite of all of this but I'm thinking we need an ill-timed product placement to lighten the mood. Oh, what's that? There's an ammo shortage, and yet companies that are saying they care about Americans are sending ammo to other countries? You don't need that energy in your life. You do need the iTarget Pro. This revolutionary system allows you to dry fire practice with your actual firearm in the comfort, safety, and privacy of your own home, which means that you won't be bothered by those guys who always gotta try it out. We know the type. And we also know that the cost of ammunition is through the roof. This, of course, gives law-abiding gun owners a better way to train regularly. No more inconvenient trips to the ranger expensive practice ammunition. Just download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into your firearm, and start your training experience. Dry fire training will help develop muscle memory, sharpen target reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger function, and more. iTarget Pro comes in all the major calibers, including 223 for your AR, so that you can stay sharp with almost any firearm. So go to iTargetPro.com right now, save 10% plus, get free shipping with the offer code DOYLE. This is the smartest way for you to practice, and it pays for itself in just one day. That's the letter I, iTargetPro.com, iTargetPro.com, offer code DOYLE. Very epic, we continue. And as we continue, 
I want you to be thinking about two things. These really are the two most important things for American patriots to be thinking about above all else. And I think that if we could channel our focus and our energy onto these things instead of the other nonsense that we tend to do that with, we might actually have a shot at turning the ship around. So the first one is very simply, are we an actual country? Is the United States of America an actual country? Is it a unique nation or is it simply a tool to be used by the rest of the world? Like, oh, you want a military to fight for you? United States. You want a higher material standard of living? United States. Like the point is that if we think that the purpose of the United States of America is to defend the desired purposes of other countries. And if we think that the purpose of the American people is to perpetually sacrifice for everyone else in the world while getting nothing in return for it, then we've lost the plot and we deserve whatever happens to us. And the second thing to be thinking about is the unavoidable reality that in the same way that a compass when functioning properly will always point north, any analysis of the issues facing the American people when conducted properly is always going to point back to their governments and to their ruling class as the culprit. Like, Virtually in every case, I've stayed up, I've done the math. There is virtually no problem facing the American people that cannot be traced back to the dangerous mixture of malevolence, incompetence, and corruption that rules over us and that has for quite some time. And you look at what happened when we got Donald Trump in the presidency. Like, he did not have nearly as much power or influence as he should have. Like, he really wasn't that right wing, but he had good instincts. And within a couple of years, we'd achieved energy independence. We were pulling out of the, the forever wars, the unnecessary wars. Gas was under $2 a gallon. The food, it was cheaper. The economy was booming. And less than a year since they fortified him from the Oval Office, literally everything has gone to shit. That's the micro timeline. You look at the macro timeline in terms of how this country in general has gone to hell in the last 60, 70 years or so. And maybe we can't quite articulate why that is or what exactly changed, what went wrong, but we all sense that it's true. And thus was born the greatest presidential campaign slogan in the history of American politics, make America great again. I could do a whole video talking about the subtle brilliance of that. And I probably will in the uh, DeSantis versus Trump matchup video. But the point is that as this country's trust level has dropped from upwards of 70% to below 50%, as we've become more polarized, we've lost any sense of national identity, be it religious, ethnic, linguistic, cultural, whatever. And operating under that framework is just simply not conducive to actually having a country. And so these wars and conflicts have come in very useful for our ruling class, because if you don't have a people who are united in support of anything anymore, well, you can just simply have a people who are united in opposition to something. So maybe they don't go to the same church as their neighbor. Maybe they don't speak the same language as their neighbor. Maybe they've never even spoken to their neighbor. But hey, damn it, they both saw on the TV that the real threat to this country is sitting over there in Moscow or in Baghdad or in Beijing, et cetera, et cetera. So you can kind of see how they can simultaneously delay the collapse by trying to spark unity through opposition to a manufactured enemy, which is working less successfully for them by the cycle, mind you, while also just kind of playing hot potato with who's really to blame for the problems faced by the American people, despite the fact that, like we said, 100% of the blame is on our own ruling class. And we will prove that as we continue. Well, and I don't know, John. I don't know, John. I'm really thinking that Russia's the bad guy here. Okay, that's fine. Why? Think about that. Why do you think that all of a sudden Russia just invaded Ukraine? What do you believe is their end goal? Well, well it's because Biden's weak. Right. But that just gives an opportunity, right, to fulfill a greater goal. So what is that? What do you think that is? And some people will just never be able to grasp things like this. Like there are purportedly rational, productive adults in this country who wake up, they get dressed, they eat. And then they think things like, why are all these crazy bad guys trying to blow up the world for no reason? Democracy is such a joke. Like these people vote, by the way. Democracy is when the ruling class uses its media to brainwash the masses into supporting something. And then they hold a vote on it and they call it legitimate. It is so spiritually gay. But anyways, Russia doesn't have to be politically correct and speak to the masses like their children. They can actually explain themselves very clearly. And so before we continue, I would like to play a short clip of Putin briefly explaining his actions, and then we'll put it into the historical context and into the contemporary context as we continue our discussion. 
But as we watch, I'll be on the lookout for signs of a crazy bad guy who just wants to blow us to bits and take over the world. Please be studious and vigilant as well. I might miss something. And again, I really want you to be thinking about why he's doing this, what he's trying to gain from this, because for some reason, the Western media isn't playing clips like this. They're basically just in hysterics comparing Putin to Hitler, accusing him of war crimes, playing footage of sad things happening, et cetera, et cetera. And if I didn't respect you guys, I would just do the same thing because warmongering is making a lot of people a lot of money right now. But it's not about money. It's about sending a message. This country deserves a better class of right-wing e-boy, and I'm going to give it to him. Tell your viewers they're watching me now. They won't watch. They won't subscribe to a Putin apologist. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Why don't I leak some screenshots or photographs from DC parties to your donors? Hmm? And then we'll see how loyal an establishment shill really is. It's not about money. It's about sending a message and then financing that message with money from good people and underwear companies and firearm accessory companies. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna watch the video now. Что будет от чего зависеть? Будет ли что-то зависеть от хода переговоров? Наши действия будут зависеть не от хода переговоров, а от безусловного обеспечения безопасности России сегодня и на историческую перспективу. В этой связи мы ясно и четко дали понять, что дальнейшее движение НАТО на восток неприемлемо. Но чего здесь непонятного? Мы что ли ставим ракеты рядом с границами Соединенных Штатов? Нет. Это же Соединенные Штаты своими ракетами пришли к нашему дому. На пороге нашего дома находятся уже. Ну разве это какое-то избыточное требование? Не ставить больше никаких ударных систем у нашего дома. Ну чего здесь необычного? Вот, вот как, как американцы бы отнеслись, если бы мы взяли там, в, на, на, на границе между... между Канады и США или на, на границе Мексики и США поставили бы наши ракеты. А что, разве у Мексики и у, и у США не было никогда территориальных вопросов? А Калифорния кому принадлежала раньше? А Техас? Подзабыли, что ли? Ну ладно, все затихло. Никто не вспоминает про это, так как вспоминают сегодня про Крым. Замечательно. Но и мы стараемся не вспоминать о том, что как, как Украина-то складывалась. Кто ее создал-то? Ленин Владимир Ильич, когда создавал Советский Союз. Договор 22-го года союзный и 24-й год Конституции. Правда, после его смерти, но по его принципам созданы. Значит, ну, вопрос в безопасности. Сейчас, бог с ней, с историей. Вопрос в обеспечении безопасности. Поэтому нам важен не ход переговоров, важны результаты. Ну разве мы не знаем? Я же много раз уже об этом сказал. И вы наверняка знаете хорошо. Ни одного дюйма на восток сказали нам на, на, в 90-е годы. Ну и чего? Надули. Просто нагло обманули. You just expanded eastward. NATO, we're talking about eastward expansion here. You just did it. I watched you do it. So we'll go through the historical timeline of what he's talking about right now. But at least some of us are surprised, for lack of a better description, at how rational his position is. Like, it makes perfect sense to me. I don't know what you guys think. But he's correct on the history of NATO expansion. He's got the timeline right. He's got the details right. 
I can't find too much wrong with it, but it's also important to note that our society especially is susceptible to being misled because of how central technology is to our lives. Like everybody is constantly plugged in. Everything has always passed through this hyper consensus filter now. It's basically the greatest system for distributing propaganda that the world has ever seen. And things like literally just get memory hold now. Like people do not remember things at all anymore. They simply just update themselves to whatever is currently the good thing to support so as to try to gain status by being the most caring about the current thing. Like, Never forget that these people were viciously hateful towards unvaccinated people. They were calling for medical segregation. They were double masking in cars. Now they hate Russians. They're wearing Ukrainian flags. They're calling for no-fly zones. It's literally, literally all and only because the screen people told them so. Like, these are not real people. These are dangerous. And as we'll discuss later, whenever they hate Russians or truck drivers or unvaccinated people or Trump voters, that is all them casting different versions of you. They hate you. They hate anything that is in opposition to the global libtard menace because they have been made so miserable by this system. They've outsourced all sense of purpose to hedonistic pleasure and a manufactured victim status. And if you in any way threaten that, maybe you're against this part of it or against just this part of it, it doesn't matter. You are the enemy. And they make this abundantly clear to you. Again, as we'll get into, but yeah, our country is stupid enough to like literally not know the last 30 years of history, which Putin is referencing there. And they would rather buy into wartime propaganda for their own reasons. And you're always going to have this problem in a technologically advanced society, but it really could be mitigated to a significant degree if we just had good people reigning in education and reigning in media in this country. But anyways, let's actually explain why all this is happening in Ukraine now. Let's provide the historical context here. So everyone's calling this Putin's war. They're saying that Putin is the aggressor here, and this is easy to sell to people because yes, Putin did invade Ukraine. But as we'll explain, the United States and NATO have purposefully transformed Ukraine into a weapon against Putin. And if this is true, which it is, then the blood would be on their hands, not Putin's, because he would be acting in self-defense. And because our media is covering it in the way that they are, and because people's historical knowledge is like literally just World War II, and then maybe slavery in the civil rights movement, like that's literally all they know about, which is why Godwin's Law correctly observes that any discussion online in the new public square, that is, will eventually lead to Hitler comparisons in a long enough timeline, inexorably. They won't even throw in a Stasi reference, an NKVD reference, it's always just Hitler, because that's the only thing people know how to talk about. Maybe in a way he'll actually end up getting his thousand years since no one will shut up about him. You got to let that Hitler jerk out of your head. You know, he's living in the rent free, but they can only conceptualize what's happening as Russia is invading another country for no reason since that that's what they were taught about World War II with Germany invading Poland. And so it makes sense that in the mind of a typical person, what they're being told is World War III will start similarly with a country just invading another country for no reason when properly understood. Uh, it's not exactly an invasion in the traditional sense, but more so a defensive move against NATO, which of course is a powerful alliance of neighboring countries. But let's see if that's true. Let's see if America and NATO are actually the good guys, or if they're actually just repeating their historical pattern of kicking the dog and then shooting it when it bites. And really, I guess it does make sense for Putin to be crazy if you're going to absolutely like refuse to concede any wrongdoing on the part uh, of your country or of your government, because this man has straight up chosen a high-risk confrontation against the globalist American empire. He's risking hundreds of billions of dollars, the lives of his men, the stability of his own government, his own life possibly, and for what? just to invade his neighbor? So what does that make him? Is he a calculated political actor like myself? Or is he a villain from a Saturday morning cartoon? Or like a Marvel movie? A Marvel movie. 
it is no wonder to me that a population which has to change its underwear every time Marvel makes the same superhero movie year after year is all of a sudden casting that psychological conditioning under global politics. The point being that our government knows that it absolutely cannot acknowledge any wrongdoing or responsibility for this on its end, because if it does, well, then that opens up some tricky cans of worms into how our national security operations exist in Ukraine. Maybe some foreign investments, maybe some corruption, maybe some laundering, maybe some trafficking, maybe some other things, but namely our involvement in two separate coups, which both involved Ukraine, one of which was in 2014 pertaining to their governments, and the other was in 2016 pertaining to our government. So that's why the Saturday morning cartoon narrative is just being pumped out. Like virtually everything, our actions, Putin's actions, the historical context, everything suggests that there's something bigger going on here that our government is trying to suppress. And so they just counter that by, well, he's a madman, he'll kill us all. And then the masses are like, ah, ah, ah. like it's not just that they're disinterested in knowing the truth, but that they are actually hostile towards you if you don't just buy into the propaganda. But anyways, let's wind the clocks back here. You might remember for the longest time, Ukraine was called the Ukraine, right? Now, recently they've dropped that because it alludes to the reality of the situation that they're trying to suppress, which is that Ukraine is basically not a real country. Now, I could explain to you why that is, but I'm not really interested in doing that for three reasons. One, I don't feel like it. Two, it isn't really relevant to the discussion, which we'll explain. And three, nobody who's making an argument for the sovereignty of Ukraine would ever make an argument for the sovereignty of the United States. Ever, never, not ever. So it's not even worth your time. They don't care about sovereignty. They care about virtue signaling. Republicans wouldn't give Trump $4 billion to secure the southern border, but they just voted to send $14 billion to Ukraine. John will remember that. But the reason it was called the Ukraine for so long is because it's much more of a territory than it is a country. And Ukraine, by the way, literally translates in Ukrainian, which is so similar to Russian that they're often mistaken to be different dialects of the same language. It literally translates to borderland. And if you're going to be the borderland between two competing powers, which are uh, the European Union and NATO to the west and then Russia to the east, your geopolitical strategy so as to avoid getting swallowed up by one of them is going to be to maintain neutrality with both of them at worst, amicability with both of them at best, but you can't take sides, but they have, because Ukraine's corrupt ruling class has allowed their country to become a pawn for the globalist American empire and NATO. And practically speaking, it's not its own country because it is essentially a client state of the United States. And our country has used them to attack the enemies of the regime, both foreign and domestic. And this is important because it's not just that NATO has been expanding eastward towards Russia throughout the last 30 years, but that the country that would be bordered with Russia is particularly under the influence of the globalist American empire. And yes, that poses a very serious threat to the national security of Russia. Ukraine should have acted as a buffer zone, but instead they were used to forward the interests of the globalist American empire. And Russia understood correctly that it was only a matter of time before Ukraine was directly weaponized against them. And so they had to show the world that for lack of a better term, they're not screwing around. And because our regime is spiritually female, they're incapable of understanding this type of display. We'll get into that more in a second, but just know that, that it's not just about the borders, but that Putin finds the relationship between the globalist American empire and Ukraine to be genuinely threatening. Because of course, for the last 20 years or so, we've used Ukraine to try to destabilize Russia and specifically to target Putin. And now the dog finally bites. And now we finally got people saying aloud what they've been maneuvering for for a very long time now, which is regime change in Russia, taking out Putin, etc. So then, okay, the question is, why do they want Putin gone? What's the problem with Russia? Why do they want it destabilized? Why do they want regime change? Regime change, which could end the world. Oh, what's that? The world's ending? So why would you not want to at least go out in comfort and style and in celebration of whatever is left of American masculinity? How can you do that, you ask? Have I ever steered you wrong? Have I ever missed? No. Okay. It's simple. You toss out your overpriced testosterone killing polyester boxers, throw them into a fire, get yourself a drawer full of undertech. The only boxers endorsed by me. 
I don't know what that means. It's got to be something. But unironically, greatest boxers I've ever owned. Why? They cover all the bases. Quick release fly for a quick draw. Secret pocket and the extra wide waistband for cash or tactical necessities. It's antibacterial, anti-pilling, moisture wicking. You stay fresh and dry all day. It's all there. It's durable, fade resistant, shrink resistant, ultra lightweight, almost 30% less than the competition. Did I mention that they have been battle tested by special forces? Undertack is the only brand that is unapologetically pro-America and pro HOC. So you go to getundertack.com. That's getundertack.com right now. They're running a special. It's called get 20% off with the offer code DOYLE20. That's 20% off with the offer code DOYLE20. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. That's getundertack.com. Offer code DOYLE20. Very epic. We continue. So really, why do they want Russia destabilized? Why do they want regime change? Putin gone, etc. Also important, hold that thought. Some more context with Ukraine because of course they'll tell you that Ukraine is our ally. They're a bastion of freedom and democracy. This is just not the case. That country is thoroughly corrupted. But let's talk about the first coup in 2014 in Kiev. Notice how they're calling it Kiev now. It's Kiev. It's always been Kiev. But anyways, in 2014, uh, the Obama administration backed a soft coup in Kiev called the Color Revolution, which toppled a Russia-friendly government in the name of democracy and who we are. And it did this by artificially coordinating mass street demonstrations and chaos through social media. Ring a bell? So Putin responds in 2014 by annexing Crimea. It's ethnically Russian. He secured his port access. Obama hit him with some sanctions, etc. Did we stop? No. We doubled down. We tried using Ukraine to provide Slavic legitimacy to the whole Trump-Russia lie that everybody believed a few years ago because the regime saw a threat in Donald Trump. And so it tried to prevent him from being elected to the presidency. And Ukraine played a role in that. So we support a coup to take out a Russia-sympathetic government in the capital city. We install a pro-Western government that bans speaking Russian in public. They allow neo-Nazi militias to wreak havoc in the ethnically Russian parts of the country. Then in 2018, Ukraine ends the strategic partnership that it had with Russia, say that they want to join NATO. And then Russia doesn't want this, of course, because if Ukraine is in NATO, then NATO can place missiles and troops on the border that it has with Russia instead of just having a neutral zone in between, which is what Putin wants. And that's why when people say, oh, well, this wouldn't have happened under Trump, Trump, that's true, but it's not just because Trump was like a strong and respected leader, but also that he would have just told Ukraine that they just can forget about NATO membership. And then Putin would have said like, oh, okay, sick. So why is that unreasonable? Why do you have to be a madman who's gone mad with power if you want there to be just some distance between your border and like missiles? This was the whole problem with the Cuban Missile Crisis. Like the Soviets wanted to put missiles in Cuba, right? Literally the same thing, except we're trying to put missiles in Ukraine that could reach Moscow. Russia's not doing this to us now, but we promised Russia that we would not advance NATO eastward, not an inch to the east, we said. But throughout the late 1990s until now, we've done exactly that. And when Russia's asked us, hey, you know, uh, maybe we could join NATO too, we spat in their face, which implies that NATO, which in itself, is outdated and pointless does actually have a purpose, a bad one, but still, which is just to antagonize, destabilize, and eventually topple Russia. That's why they've been expanding eastward towards Russia. That's why they've been integrating formerly Soviet states into NATO. And that's why we've like digitally carpet bombed the masses with anti-Russian propaganda. Like, in what other way is it possible to interpret this if not as aggression from us? But again, there's absolutely no acknowledgement of everything that led up to this completely predictable occurrence, so predictable that even Biden predicted it back in 1997, which I'll show you right now. But there's no acknowledgement of the coup in 2014, the wars in the ethnically Russian parts of the country, the decades of NATO expansion eastward, despite promising not to, the little geopolitical games and antagonizations, literally laughing at their request to join NATO. But no, it's just a madman who just wants to take over the world. Really? Even Biden understood this. Take a look. I think the one place where the greatest consternation would be caused in the short term for admission, having nothing to do with the merit and preparedness of the country to come in, 
would be to admit the Baltic states now in terms of NATO-Russian, U.S.-Russian relations. And if there was ever anything that was going to tip the balance were it to be tipped in terms of a vigorous and hostile reaction, I don't mean military, in Russia, it would be that. Yeah, literally, if we start admitting Baltic states into NATO, Russia's going to get cheesed. And we do it anyway, and exactly as predicted, we're dealing with this now. And it's not because Putin is crazy and insane and a bad guy, just like in the movies. And it's not even because he's paranoid or even, like, driven by this desire to restore the glory of the USSR or whatever. It's because of the last few decades, and in particular, the last 10 years of Western efforts to accelerate their aggression towards Russia through Ukraine. Of course, timed opportunistically to coincide with the domestic instability of the United States and the ascension of allied countries like China. China, which is a whole other thing. Now, Putin is very open about this. He's explained this over and over again for years, and we're like shocked to see that he's actually doing what he said he would do. And since it would seem to me that he more or less has an actual case and is relatively justified in his actions, we can't argue with him. So instead, we rely on appeals to emotion through propaganda. That's why if you turn on the news, you don't see anything even approximating an intelligence argument, a historical analysis. No, no, it's all footage designed to make you feel sad. And because we don't have a case, we have to do that. Our leadership is incompetent. I mean, did you like watch that clip of him? Can you imagine a Western leader speaking to an audience with that level of intelligence as if his country and the world are composed of intelligence and relatively educated adults instead of children? You can do that in illiberal countries since you don't have to pander to the lowest common denominator and the emotions of women and effeminate men. You can just speak normally. And people who care will listen, and people who don't just won't. But because our country is politically correct, uh, you can't do that. Hey, if you're anti-political correctness, let's see if you're against it enough to acknowledge that the only reason it exists is to cater to the emotions of women and men who act like women. Like, serious countries don't have to worry about this because they'll still acknowledge that women tend to be governed by their emotions. And not coincidentally, it's women who are really in support of us getting involved in this war because the emotional propaganda worked on their brains disproportionately. Fancy that. But since testosterone is down 40% in the last few decades, it's working on men too. And so now we've got almost 50% across the board in terms of support for us getting involved in this war. And we've just lost our minds. Like, I think we're just tired and want to die, honestly. Like, there's no 9-11. There's no Pearl Harbor type scenario. We just got humiliated in Afghanistan. And the general population is like one or two reminders that war is generally tragic away from just greenlighting another catastrophic episode of Captain America fights for pride parades throughout the world. But this time against a new nuclear power and why? Because Russia wants to be left alone by that and because they seem to be uniting regions of ethnically Russian people with the Russian state, which of course makes no sense to the class of people who believes that a nation is purely an idea. It's propositional. It's just an economic zone. Anyone can be an American, but can anyone be a Ukrainian? No, they are a distinct people with a culture and a homeland. They have a right to exist. You're making me angry. We've got all these Ukrainian immigrants now protesting in Detroit, which is a city that was literally founded by my ancestors. Like I can go down to Hart Plaza and find their names on a plaque because they were in the original founding convoy in 1701 alongside Cadillac. And now in a city that's older than the country in which it resides and that was built by my ancestors, I'm seeing all these Ukrainian immigrants mass protesting about how we need to get America involved in a war to settle their ethnic grudges. Right. Everybody's an American until the ethnic grudges come to a head. And then we see where the allegiance truly lies, right? They're an American when they want to ditch their country to come participate in our decadent society. But then they maneuver to try to drag us into foreign wars, which will take lives and money away from American families. So with no disrespect intended, go do it yourself. You want to start World War III? All right, let's reinstitute the draft, but only for those whose families got here after World War II. And then we'll see how American everybody really is. I have deep roots in this country. And if me wanting to put my country first is offensive to you, 
We've learned a lot about to where your allegiance is actually pledged, haven't we? You should be kissing the soil that this country is built upon, not demanding its people leave and go die on your soil when they have no reason to. But I guess it's not entirely their fault. How are they supposed to believe in America when we don't even believe in America anymore? And again, the needle points back to our leadership, right? These people have destroyed everything that the American flag was supposed to represent. Everyone always makes fun of the right, and me especially, for holding the 1950s in such high esteem. And it's like, yeah, if you showed someone from the 1950s what the 2020s are like, they would be absolutely terrified. It would be a dystopian hell to them. The people are fat, they're strung out on drugs, everybody's eating highly processed foods. All of a sudden, there's a market for selling digestive drugs and erectile dysfunction drugs to young people because their bodies aren't responding well to the literal poison that they're eating every day. Everywhere you go, everything you do, tracked, recorded, it's in a database somewhere. I saw someone say this recently. Imagine what would happen if you like got into a bar fight in another state as recently as 1980 and you didn't have your driver's license. You could simply refuse to identify yourself and they'd be like, well, you have no concept of what it means to be truly off the grid. You have no concept of what that kind of freedom tastes like. I bet it tastes better than smartphones. I bet it tastes better than paying 25% markup for drive-through food so you can sit on your ass and wait for it to be delivered. Never underestimate the human willingness to sacrifice objective well-being at the altar of convenience. Blockbuster, a great example of this. It is time for the introduction to Blockbuster protectionism video. The nostalgia for the 1950s is more or less rooted in like what a fundamentally good society looks like when it's blessed with prosperity. Prosperity, but with ill-managed prosperity comes decadence. Same thing with the 1990s. That nostalgia is more or less rooted in what a country looks like when technology begins its integration into the mainstream. Like, oh, it's fun. Look at this. Wow. I'm choosing to play Kid Picks. I'm choosing to play N64. I'm choosing to do whatever. Now it's like we are literal slaves to technology. Literal slaves. And there's no practical answer to this problem because, again, we can never underestimate the human willingness to sacrifice objective well-being at the altar of convenience. Not to go Jordan Peterson mode, but it really is the archetypal bargain, right? Like every fairy tale ever. Your life is boring. You want something more exciting. You're introduced to this cool new thing. It seems so good at first, but then it takes control of you, and there's no turning back from that point. Alice in Wonderland. Coraline. Like, you. I mean, this isn't good. And of course, you know, we needed technology to optimize human potential, increase productivity, limitless capability. People aren't more productive, though. They just use technology to zone out. They use it to order food and stare at the screen so that they can eat garbage while staring at the screen. When's the last time you ate a meal without staring at a screen? When's the last time you went one day without looking at a screen? You know, it's always been understood that life is a cycle and that to live forever is as equally tragic as to die prematurely since the meaning of it and of all things comes from scarcity and uniqueness, right? But there's no scarcity and there's no uniqueness in, in, a, in a completely interconnected, syndicated, mass-marketed, hedonistic and nihilistic society because they've sacrificed meaning for pleasure and since they have no meaning, they fear death because if all life is, is the acquisition of pleasure, then the end of that is terrifying. They don't know God because God has rules and rules by definition constrain one's desires, right? And so they don't have meaning and so they fear death. They don't view life as anything more significant than like a checklist with all the things they want to do on the checklist. And so the anxiety is rooted in the basic economic principle of the limited time against the limitless potential of the checklist, all the things I want to do. But in actuality, it's that fear of death that has led to the normalization of the most tragic lifestyles such that now death at any stage would be a victory, almost a liberation of some sort. How can a premature death be a tragedy if there's no longer the maturation, which is implied by the idea of premature, right? People now live in the eternal present. They live in the moment. Live and let live, man. Do what makes you happy. If it feels good, do it, man, which has made them more miserable than ever. And ironically, it suggests that a younger death is more desirable since on paper it means less time spent in slavery. 
slavery to oneself. These people reject God. They reject God's calling for us to be husbands and wives and fathers and mothers. And they tell themselves, well, it's because I've got all these things I just have to do. Oh, they've got their checklist. And yet these people more or less just spend their time participating in behaviors that destroy themselves. They're not going to the Colosseum. They're not composing a symphony or perhaps like a potential soundtrack to accompany a novel that they enjoy. Their entire consciousness is just different practical manifestations of sloth, lust, gluttony, pride, envy, wrath, and greed. How does this relate to what we're talking about? It doesn't exactly, but it is true that people have to believe in themselves if they're going to believe in their country. And that means they have to believe in their unique value and their unique purpose as God's child, but also in their unique value and purpose as a country. And those are not mutually exclusive, not individualism, not collectivism, organic unity, which is what we used to have in this country back when we were the most free and the most prosperous. So yes, technology has been used as a tool to sedate and basically distract the masses and syndicate propaganda at a level that would have been the wet dream of a 20th century dictator. But even then, the core of our problem is still that our leadership has destroyed every righteous prospect of the American patriot. They've destroyed our economy. They've destroyed the American dream. They've destroyed our cities. They've destroyed much of our scenery. They've stripped our rights away from us. They've humiliated us repeatedly. They've insulted us. They've insulted our history. They've robbed us of more money than we'll ever even know or understand. They've given it away to their friends. They've pissed the rest of it away just to mock us. And then when they finally tell us there's a flag that we can care about, it's the flag that represents a country that was established so recently that even my dad can go, Oh yeah, I remember when that happened. Go to hell. No, we get to control our destiny too. And our destiny will once again be our own. And your destiny will be facing justice for what you've done to the world. But these people are so narcissistic and so possessed by hubris that they would rather blow up the world before they die so it doesn't go on without them. That's how developed their main character complex is. And since we're an empire in decline, which, I mean, we all agree with that, right? We're on our decline. Hey, hey, don't beat yourself up about it, big guy. It's perfectly natural. It happens to all of us, you know, but maybe there's some poetic justice to be found in that our decline is somewhat similar to what destroyed the British Empire, which of course we declared independence from about 250 years ago. Because if you look at what basically destroyed the British Empire, it could be reduced essentially to two things, free trade and interventionism. And there was a celebrated British historian by the name of A.G.P. Taylor, and he once said something to the effect of, though the object of being a great power is to fight a great war, the only way to remain a great power is to avoid one. World War II inarguably destroyed the British Empire. Like that was the final nail in the coffin. And if you look at what made America great, ignoring the fact that we were able to be the back-to-back -back World War champs because we avoided getting involved for longer than any other developed country, which is how we were able to walk away more or less unscathed, we were built and made strong by protectionism and non-interventionism. Globalization killed the British Empire and it's killing America now. Like there's this myth of America being built by like total free trade because international finance and capital literally lobbied to put that into your mind. But if you look at like Mount Rushmore, for example, every man on that mountain was a protectionist. And I don't need to read a bunch of like economic theory to know that in brass text, production equals prosperity. We're like scratching our heads that we've got this multi-trillion dollar nanny state and welfare system. We're like 25 trillion in debt. We base our whole economy on debt, usury, fractional reserve banking, middle management, the laptop class and service in like gigs. And we're like, wait a minute, why is China winning? Their economy is based on advanced manufacturing, production, market economies. Now, hold on a second. The state department told me they're communists. The point being that China's winning because their economy is built to function as an economy and not like is this debt trap to benefit the ruling class at the expense of the American people. Well, John, you sound like a leftist. No, 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 you misunderstand. I don't wanna take money away from business owners. That's fake and gay. And even worse, it's un-American. 
But a serious country whose ruling class were exploiting its people like this would maybe, I don't know, seize some assets from some people who got their wealth by destroying our country. And I don't know, maybe use them to subsidize the mass deportations of illegal aliens. I don't know. Hey, I'm just throwing out ideas. I like ideas. I'm a real ideas guy. I'm Dave Rubin. That's why these companies, you know, they're siding with China. People like to say, well, companies are being infiltrated by the Chinese. China's the enemy. In actuality, it's the companies choosing to side with China because China's a serious country, which has made clear that in the event that they unequivocally become the dominant global economy, there will be punishments for companies that did not side with them. So if you're a company looking to survive, are you going to side with the country that can't even quite figure out what bathroom it's supposed to be using or a country that disappeared Jack Ma? There's always going to be an apex of power, and some countries know who's in charge, and others have absolutely no clue. My point is just that our ruling class is trying to loot a decaying empire which they've destroyed, and they won't let us do anything about that decay because that would prevent them from looting it. And other countries just don't have to deal with that as much because they're serious. Well, they're tyrannical! We're not. Yeah, I'm in shock and awe that Western media has convinced us all that our system of debt slavery and no greater purpose than being looted while our kids decide to switch genders is actually the righteous system. It's like societal Stockholm syndrome. The point of all this being that the position of the men who built this country was that America should protect American industry and that America should have no binding pacts to become involved in foreign conflicts. It's almost like we should listen to the men who built this country. We have the user manual, but liberals are prideful. They think that they can like build the Lego set without the instructions, and congratulations, your AT-AT is retarded. Someone said this a while ago, it's so true. Like we literally spent 50 years fighting the USSR just to become a gayer, more retarded version of it. So back to the central discussion, you've got a Russian government that's saying, okay, we've got Russian people in Eastern Ukraine who are being victimized, they're being neglected, uh, they're being terrorized by extremist militias, neo-Nazis, and the Ukrainian government has done nothing about this for almost a decade now. Moreover, Ukraine's maneuvering to join NATO, which would allow NATO to put missiles on Russia's border, which threatens its national security in exactly the same way that it threatened the security of the United States in 1962 when the Soviets wanted to put weapons in Cuba. And of course, the icing on the cake is that the U.S. and NATO have broken virtually all of their promises to Russia since the collapse of the USSR, and they absolutely refuse to compromise or meet at the negotiating table. I guess we have to show them we can't allow for this. And our government is saying, well, okay, but you know, Ukraine, they just want peace and they have a right to exist, which isn't even true since as we've covered, their government has completely forced the hand of Russia. Also, being a country 101, you can only exist if you can defend your borders. There's no reason for the U.S. to want to defend the borders of Ukraine since that has no bearing on the American people. And actually doing so measurably and significantly lowers their quality of life, but it doesn't matter because democracy. Because our values, because who we are, pride parades in Kiev, I'm trying to provide to you an intelligent articulation of how our government is pitching this to us, but they literally outdo like the caricature that I've constructed in my head of them. I'm sure you've seen it already. This is how the vice president of the United States describes the moral conflict of the Ukraine-Russia situation. This is the level of sophistication that one of the most powerful people in the country is capable of. And please, compare this to the one demonstrated by the crazy, insane bad guy Putin as you watch. If you're watching any level of news, even social media, you're seeing everything that's going on right now in the Ukraine. Break it down in layman's terms for people who don't understand what's going on and how can this directly affect the people of the United States. So Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists next to another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So. 
Basically, that's wrong. Russia is a big country and Ukraine is a small country and Russia invaded them and basically that's not okay. Points for brevity, but you got one part of that wrong, Madam Vice President, which is the part where you said that Ukraine's an actual country. That's a joke because, of course, we're joking because you actually got that wrong because you are incapable of transcending the Saturday morning cartoon. And you really just have to understand the sheer gravity of the spiritually feminine regime. Like, what else would you expect to happen when you intentionally fill the government with people who are higher in openness, which means more susceptible to propaganda, higher in agreeableness, which means more prone to herd mentality and groupthink, and higher in neuroticism, which means more prone to hysterically overreacting to things? What else could have possibly been the result? And the worst part is that the administrators of this regime are far less competent than the class from which they inherited it. Like, they literally are spoiled brats who are too decadent and perverted to be able to correctly perceive reality. And we're all going to suffer because of it. And if you think it's bad now, just wait. But like, what else did you expect? Can you imagine going back in time to colonial America and trying to argue with a founding father who would have said something to the effect of women need to literally be oppressed to prevent their chaotic nature from manifesting throughout society? And you'd say, one, that's mean. And two, you're an incel. And he'd reply by asking, asking, oh, well, what evidence do you have from your time that contradicts this? And your eyes would glaze over. We have so much internalized political correctness, which means we have this governor within us that always prevents us, even if only slightly, from correctly interpreting the truth of the world that we live in. Because when you have to alter the truth to be palatable to the emotions of women and men who act like women, then you're not actually telling the truth. And how can you successfully navigate towards the solution if you're not starting from the point of truth? Like you've got bad charts. And women are getting hysterical about this whole thing. They're finding everything that I've had to say about it thoroughly off-putting. And it's like, yeah, this is why you're the 7%. Vladimir Putin is not politically correct. He doesn't have to be, and so he's a serious person. And it's not even that he's saying things that are like offensive, like, oh, oh, I can't say the N-word anymore. You know, political correctness has gone too far. He's just speaking the truth. And like we said, political correctness exists to pander to the emotions of women and effeminate men. And those who take issue with political correctness but fail to point this out, they justify its existence. But like Donald Trump once said, we don't have time to be politically correct, folks. We have a country to save. So it's women. I'm sorry that war and politics are scary for you. To be fair, we wanted to keep you separated from them in the first place. Tell me I'm wrong. Get mad. Yeah, line starts back there. Go ahead. Agree with Jen Psaki, Saki and Kamala Harris. Go agree with them on women. I'll be over here with Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, Nietzsche, Schopenhauer, the Founding Fathers, Aristotle, Augustine, basically everyone until like 50 years ago. It's really funny how they have to brainwash people to get them to agree with their ideas. Like the only way that you could ever make a society so backwards so quickly is if you had a way to keep everybody glued to the propaganda at every waking moment, which is exactly what technology has enabled them to do. It creates this artificial herd consensus that we're susceptible to and which women are especially susceptible to. And we've talked about this extensively in the Christianity and conservatism video, which you should definitely go watch. But Machiavelli had this idea about two types of rulers, lions and foxes. Um, and I think this is really important to cover if we really want to give this whole thing the proper analysis. But then I thought, well, if we take time explaining that, then it's going to get off topic. But then I realized that I can simply just recycle the footage from the previous explanation that I gave to you guys, and it will register as a cutaway instead of a diversion, since I will be dressed differently, and the clip will occupy a different geography of your screen. So that's the plan. This is very important. Please enjoy. So... 
In the modern context, the lion is the conservative. He values God, tradition, order, his nation, etc. But he hasn't used his strength because he doesn't understand the threat that he's being faced with yet. And he doesn't understand how much power he's lost to the foxes. But an important distinction to be made between the two in the modern context is that the lion isn't necessarily not cunning because he doesn't know how to be, but more often because he purposefully elects not to be cunning because he assumes that his enemies are not actually his enemies and or that they are acting in good faith or that to be cunning is to sacrifice sacred principles, etc. That's the line. The fox in the modern context is the left-wing individual. They don't value tradition or God or nation. They value progress. They value tolerance and being nice, etc. But they're different from the lion because their use of cunning is not necessarily out of choice, but rather necessity. Because foxes and liberals tend to be weaker, more feminine, more insecure, more mentally ill. It's so true. All those things. They are intimidated by strength and competition because they cannot contend with it. So instead, they use deception. They use manipulation. That's how they achieve their ends. They manipulate information. The lions, they're they're outdated. They're out of touch. We know better now. We don't need those things anymore. That's the only way that you can reduce or handicap the lions. You eliminate all of the things that they would be inclined to defend. You remove from the mainstream conversation any concept of God, of nation, of family, of heritage, of culture, all of it, because the lion cannot act if he feels as though he has nothing to defend. So the foxes gain and maintain their power through cunning and guile. They manipulate narratives, they manipulate the truth, all to convince you through brainwashing that the system is good. It should exist, and our people are the ones who should be running it, whereas the lions would just take power regardless. So the fox teaches you in public education that the dictators of days past, well, they were lions who used force, and they do this to you so that you don't detect the ways in which they have power over you now because they control your mind and therefore they control your reality. And if not yours, then those of the masses, which makes no difference since the masses vote based off how the regime defines reality, which justifies the existence and the actions of the regime, all of which end up affecting your immediate reality, regardless of whether you can think and operate for yourself because you still live in that society and therefore under that system. Now, that being said, given that the fox's power tends to be implicit, it's less obvious than explicit power, it also tends to be less immediately secure because foxes themselves tend to be insecure, which means that they're always going to be seeking forms of additional soft power to wield over the population, whether that's regime narratives being introduced into advertising or popular culture or even something as symbolic as participating in a mass ritual, anything to let them know that you're in compliance and to let you know that, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what's happening. It's in your face. You're not escaping it anytime soon. These are things like uh, demoralization tactics, humiliation rituals, etc., all designed to remind you through soft power that you are subject to the ideological tyranny of the regime, which is just as imposing in your day-to-day -day life, and actually even more so in many cases than the definition of tyranny that they taught you to be afraid of in public school. But the problem with this is that what the narrative says is happening does not often match reality, and so the narrative is always adjusting and having to explain itself. And it's allowed to do that because the masses are stupid and they lack agency. That's why we point and laugh when we see these people saying things, you know, in January 2020, and then in 2021, the next year, January, they're saying the completely opposite thing. And it's like, yeah, it's funny, but that's not the takeaway. The takeaway is that they literally cannot understand the difference. And we have to understand that. It's not that they're hypocrites. It's that they're lemmings, they're sheep. And you're going to have to figure out how to work within that reality before it's too late, frankly. But yeah, so as the narratives get more and more complex, they naturally start to lose contact with reality and everything becomes so cloudy and confusing. So then they start compensating for that by assuring you that all of this nonsense, which goes against your instincts and better judgment, it's all being promoted by the experts and science, etc. But ultimately, what's going to happen is they will lose contact with the reality of what it takes to maintain power, whether that's domestically or on the global scale, because they get too caught up in their own nonsense. And remember, all 
all of the education that you received from the state is a part of that narrative and it's all self-justifying. Even this idea of, oh, well, knowledge is power. No, it's not. What does that even mean? That's what you hear in school, but it's not true. Your knowledge of the vocab terms of the regime narratives is not power, but them forcing you to know those vocab terms in order to participate in society, that's power. Oh, well, there's not total media censorship like under real tyranny. It doesn't matter. There doesn't have to be. And they know that. You personally can access information and do your own research because you're smart. You think for yourself, but the masses don't. They aren't capable of doing that. But guess what? Their vote counts just as much as yours does. And it's those votes that justify all of the changes in society that do and will affect you directly. It is literally the equivalent of you going into a classroom as an adult and the teacher says, okay, kids, uh, put up your hands to vote. We can either eat celery sticks or goldfish. But remember, the goldfish are poison. And you're like, this is ridiculous. Goldfish are not poison. They are the snack that smiles back. I can't believe she thinks we would buy into, oh, they're putting their hands up. They're putting their hands up for celery sticks. And guess what you're eating? Celery sticks. There's actually, that's not even true. Like there's much worse stuff going on in classrooms. Like that's actually significantly more believable than what kids are being taught now. But still, the lion loses power to the foxes. The foxes reduce and handicap the lions. Then they use implicit force to maintain their power in society. And this is how a liberal democracy functions. And it's not sustainable. And collapse is inevitable. And you can actually map out this trend pretty clearly following World War II. Remember, we talked about this earlier in the series, and now it's all coming together because you've got the post-World War II intellectual trends that sought to strip man of any sense of identity or understanding of the truth, which might compel him to fight for something. Then you weaken him by destroying masculinity, subsidizing poisonous food, poisoning the water supply, etc., etc. Now you've got all the men who would be lions feeling as though they have nothing to defend and no physical means of doing so, even if they did. And then the foxes rise to power. Slowly, the regime narratives drift further from reality. The regime destabilizes, total collapse, unavoidable. So as the handsome right-wing e-boy explained, we live in a society that is governed by foxes. These are people who don't understand how global power works, and they're quickly using their ability to maintain power on both the international and domestic scales. This is the spiritually feminine regime. They think that they can literally like passive-aggressively make little threats to Putin, that they can run propaganda campaigns to turn the countries against him, that they can keep poking at him, suffer no consequences. But then when Putin, who has said for years exactly what he's going to do, if they don't stop, when he does that, because they wouldn't stop, they cannot comprehend it. They have no concept of strength or of following through with a warning. They just don't get it. They literally believe that they can like passive aggressively nag this guy into not executing his will. These people are totally disconnected from reality. They're completely out of touch and they inherited this power structure from previous generations who constructed it and who were able to do so because frankly, they were far more competent and in touch with reality. But now it's in the hands of a class of people that are essentially spoiled brats, like we said, with absolutely zero ability to imagine themselves ever losing their place at the top of the world stage. And since obviously insanity shares no overlap with competence, everything starts to decay and to degenerate. And the bad news, which is really good news since it was inevitable anyways, is that as the political order decays internationally, it's going to become much more totalitarian domestically, which we've already seen some signs of. But in the meantime, their general code of operation will basically be to just grasp at straws. And before this new wave of propaganda, before this new NPC firmware update was released, the average American probably wouldn't understand all this anti-Russia sentiment from the ruling class. But that's, of course, because the average American views the world through a different lens, not through the lens of the international elite 
tweet, you know, that all governments who are not in compliance must be collapsed, they must be absolutely destroyed, and then we must build back better, which of course is defined by a restructuring to better fit their agenda, a great reset, if you will. And this is their overriding ambition. It's like a pathology. And you can personally decide with what level of schizophrenia you'd like to infer their intentions, but this is just uncontroversially true. Like they're openly saying this. They're saying, oh, well, Putin violated the international order. What does that even mean in practice? Basically not being aligned with the values of the globalist American empire. And we all know what those are because they fly internationally right next to the American flag. But anyways, everybody knows that they have control over Biden, over the transnational corporations, over many European governments, many other global governments, um, and they can more or less get these apparatuses to comply with their will. They don't have this with Russia, though. And you can do your own research into what they call the oligarchs of Russian society and how Putin actually reeled them in in the early 2000s, as opposed to in this country where our oligarchs are in such firm control that no one even uses the word oligarch to refer to them publicly. And sometimes people say that he's actually in bed with the WEF, but even then it's like his interactions with them are basically him like threatening them. So I don't know. Actions speak louder than words and their actions suggest that they view Russia as something beyond their control. Therefore, their instinct is to collapse it and they have to act quickly because the world order is shifting, the international order is shifting, and it's because of the incompetence that they've displayed. And ironically, they've actually shot themselves in the foot a little bit here because if they try this in about 10 more years, it's not going to land as effectively because of all the uh, the new Americans they've imported. They just wouldn't care. And even now, people don't really share in this elite and ethnic grudge against Russia that's shared by our national security archipelago. But if you don't think they'd risk a world war for this, then you're not reading the room. I mean, all of their bluffs have been called. The dollar could literally collapse. Its value is determined by its global circulation and by America's perceived military effectiveness. You've got huge global economies in the last few weeks talking about moving away from the dollar. We've embarrassed ourselves in Afghanistan. We're embarrassing ourselves now. And it's rapidly reaching a point where nobody in the world, not just Americans, but nobody in the world has any faith in any of the American institutions. And we'll talk more about what that's going to look like, why it's actually a good thing. But just keep that in mind for now that it is a good thing in the long run for American patriots, but also remember what they were willing to do to get Trump out of office. I'm sure I don't need to remind you, but they lit the country on fire and destroyed its economy just to do that. Anything that they don't control is repulsive to them. It's uncultured, it's less refined and unsophisticated. They need to go spread freedom and democracy, which of course just means like establish a ruling oligarchy in the country that's loyal to them, like they've done so many times and like they did in Ukraine. So when the Ukrainian government tells you that they're fighting on behalf of the new world order, Believe them, because that's what it's all about. And if America had any legitimate interest in this conflict, meaning any interest that served to benefit the American people, then the incessant propaganda would not be necessary. Like easily 95% of everything that you've seen or heard is a lie. The horror stories, the images, the hero stories, all of it. Like I can't talk about it too much here, but I've been keeping up with it all. And if you do a few hours of honest research away from the mainstream sources, you will be shocked by what you find. A good rule of thumb actually is that it's more likely than not that the opposite of everything that they're telling you is actually the case. So do with that what you will. But this gets back to what America is, why we exist. And as we said, we don't even know what we're doing anymore, like what we're about, which is why so many people are like, uh, yeah, you know, I, I guess we can be the global mercenary force for debt slavery and pride parades. But of course, we shouldn't have the burden of proof, right? If we are to be dragged into a foreign conflict, foreign in every sense of the term, it's far away from us. We have nothing to do with it. We don't even understand it, etc. If we are to be dragged into that, then they have to make an argument for that. We don't have to make an argument against getting involved in that. That should be the default, right? So if you're going to take money and lives away from American households, then it is your responsibility to highlight what interest we have in that conflict. That's what a rational government would do. But we don't, of course, have a rational government. 
Moreover, we don't have a rational people. And so they don't even have to do that because they can just run the emotional propaganda campaigns and achieve the same effect, like we've been saying. But the bottom line is this. If we believe what they've been telling us for decades, that our purpose is to serve the world, that we are not unique and good and exceptional in our own right, that it's only that we allow the world to come here. That's what makes us good. It's only that we act as charity and the sort of like mercenary apparatus for the rest of the world. That's what makes us good. Then maybe we deserve what we get, but that's not true. And if you actually believe that America's purpose is to serve the purposes of other countries, then you've lost the plot and you're a globalist and I don't care for you. So even though America is a clearly defined nation with a clear history and border and culture, and most importantly, the ability to defend all of that, even if it suicidally doesn't choose to, we don't get to be a real country. We're just an idea. We're an experiment. But Ukraine, which literally, as we just covered, only exists because it's propped up by the State Department to basically harass Russia, that's a real country. They have a right to exist. So we're going to send them $14 billion to try to secure their borders when we won't even secure ours. It's such a headache, isn't it? Why would they be doing this? Why are they acting like this? It's because they have an interest in Ukraine. You don't, your family doesn't, but they do. That's the key difference. We have no legal or moral obligation to get involved in Ukraine, but that's not what it's about. And, you know, it's one thing to pull the whole, oh, we shouldn't focus on other countries as long as we have homeless people here and crumbling infrastructure here, which is true. But with this case in particular, it's worth emphasizing that literally what is being disputed thousands of miles away is sovereignty and borders, which is exactly what's in dispute right now in this country, in our country, except the dispute is between the attitudes of the public who desperately want a secure southern border and the attitudes of the people who pull the strings, who want completely open borders and the resultant continued mass migration from the third world to the point where even they're asking our border patrol. Our border patrol, if they want to go help with Ukraine's borders. But of course, this was always the goal. The post-war neoliberal consensus, which we've covered extensively on this channel, congratulations, nerds, like you held the world in relative stability for a few decades. Was it worth the blood and wealth of American families? These people watched their sons go and fight and die for the same expert class, the same experts. We're very serious people. We write studies. Have you seen this table? Very serious people. And then they ship their jobs to countries that hate us. And then those families were told that they're uneducated. They're called uncultured. They're racist hicks for wanting it to stop. So even if the average American gave a damn about playing world police, which they don't, the Biden administration has effectively purged the military of most of the people who would be the most inclined to actually give a damn about this country. And they did that so that they could turn their focus on wielding that power over those same people domestically as the political order decays internationally. Because there's absolutely no will to fight anymore. And the whole world can see that. We look like an absolute circus, complete with the freak show. Because you, mm, you people, you thought that mean tweets or lack thereof were actually the defining variable of a nation's perceived legitimacy. You chose this. And yeah, I'm thinking we're bringing back Doom Paul because he couldn't just let it be. The whole idea behind neoconservatism and neoliberalism that America's post-war imperative was to establish the new world order, to spread freedom to the rest of the world by force if necessary. Footnote, it was always necessary. And in cases like Afghanistan, it was so necessary that the second that force goes away, they just go right back to normal because for them, that's their culture. That is normal. And no amount of think tank strategic pamphlets is ever going to change that. But the sleight of hand was that neoconservatism said it was for freedom. And neoliberalism basically clarified by adding to be gay onto that. But there's no effective difference. Which is why it didn't matter who was in office and what party they supposedly had membership in. Bush had us in the forever wars. Clinton had us in the forever wars. Bush again, then Obama. And we didn't actually begin to get out of them until President Trump, an outsider, said, wait a minute, what are we doing here? And then you look at what happens when the adults are back in charge, when there's no more mean tweets within a year 
of a return to normal, a return to decency, a return to who we are, this happens. The global economy could very well collapse because your retarded middle-aged aunt got offended when a billionaire celebrity stated the fact that women will let high-status men touch them, probably because she was just jealous that a man like that would never want to do that to her, frankly, and we are being so frank today because that's just the reality of it. The globalist American empire wants to control, or rather have significant influence throughout the whole world, and the biggest impediment to that goal is the existence of strong nationalist countries like Russia and like China, which could be why you've been conditioned even after the Cold War to think that these countries are evil, that they're our enemies. Oh, well, 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 but John, they're so terrible. They silence dissent. Hey, so do we. Let he whose government hasn't killed a journalist change their profile picture first. Check your emotional bandwidth, big guy, because there is absolutely no reason to care about how mean Russia is when our own government treats us worse than Russia's ever could or ever would. No Russian ever called me incel. No Russian ever called me domestic terrorist. No Russian ever called me a racist for no other reason than me being white. No Russian ever tried to force my family and my friends to choose between having a livelihood or taking weird chemicals. No Russian ever tried to get my younger family members to chop things off or to dye their hair and produce pornography of themselves. No Russian ever so obviously did something in plain view and then called me crazy for just questioning whether they did it and then bragged about it later by manipulating language and saying they just fortified it. No Russian ever blasphemed God to me. No Russian ever tried to get my generation to hate itself and its heritage. No Russian ever tried to flood my country with immigrants from the third world while the American dream is already destroyed for its own people. No Russian ever pumped my country with drugs and then sat back and profited while the heart of the country killed itself. No Russian ever voted to allow American companies to ship jobs to Mexico, India, China. No Russian ever devalued my currency so badly that the American worker just took like a 30% pay cut in the last year, probably worse actually. No Russian ever threatened to kill me for saying a man in a dress is still a man. No Russia ever declared me a domestic terrorist for wanting my country to be as great as it used to be. You know, the compass always points north. The problem is always our own ruling class, and the same people who did all of this to you are now unanimously maneuvering to try to get you to go to war against Russia. It's incredible. Like, I see all the propaganda, and it recalls the old Trump tweet. Like, is this even possible to believe? No thanks. You guys are dumb. I'm a genius, okay? Even if I'm O and O, you guys are like O and 700. So yeah, I'm gonna keep it real with you, NATO. I'm not dying for pride parades in Kiev. Hey, bro, on gang, I'm not dying for the Kiev cumulative net worth of the ruling class. Ain't no cap in my rap. Do you feel me? I'm not dying in a war over democracy. I mean, unless it's on the other side, which I mean, obviously, I mean, on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean, the other side of the Atlantic Ocean. Obviously, we don't want the fighting happening over here. We want to keep it over in Europe. We don't want any George Floyd statues, any child gender clinics getting shelled here. Hey, bro, if I'm lying, I'm flying and I ain't got wings for real. But it really is a waste of time to try to explain this to people. You know, anyone who at their own accord hasn't done like 15 minutes of independent research into Russian history, not even back to like 987 or even 1991, not even 1991, like winding the clocks back eight years would more or less suffice. But anyone who hasn't had the inclination to do that probably isn't going to care about the explanation that this deserves. And considering that this is potentially World War III, I'd say it does deserve an explanation that's more sophisticated than, again, the Saturday morning cartoon. That's why when I was posting on my Instagram about this, I had a bunch of 15 year olds who just got into politics like a year ago, accusing me of, quote, simping for Vladimir Putin. They'll read what I said, which I'll reiterate to you now. And the conclusion which they drew was that I am simping for Vladimir Putin. And I have to pull rank on this and remind you that my treatise on simping got over 300,000 views. I am the authority on this. And actually, if you want to talk about simping, which literally means you're investing energy into something mediocre that doesn't even like you, siding with the same government which destroyed the country over whom it rules out of contempt for the people over whom it rules, who they perceive to basically be cattle from whom to harvest, yeah, I'm thinking you're the simp, actually. Hey, fact check, you're the simp. I'm just trying to make America great again.
But if we can be mature about this, the question in essence is simply who is the greater and more immediate enemy? Who do we deal with as American patriots? Who's trying to get us sooner and who's trying to do worse things to us? That's a question and it's an important one. So I'll read to you now what I posted on my Instagram about this question and I'll try to put something interesting on screen as well just in case you get bored. So I said... What Putin is doing is the most significant thing to happen in global politics since Trump was elected in 2016. I'll probably end up discussing this in the next video, even if nominally unrelated, simply because I'm so excited about it, which of course didn't end up happening because it's getting its own video now. But in the meantime, just enjoy all of the worst people in the world seething about it. If you disagree, don't DM me about it. It would be better to just write a letter to the CIA in which you congratulate them on the effectiveness of their propaganda. To briefly elaborate, it is unequivocally a positive thing for the American people when the hostile regime, which does little else but abuse them, loses legitimacy and embarrasses itself on the global stage. Moreover, throughout history, revolutions, so to speak, have always been made possible by the support of domestic or foreign institutions and sympathetic governments. It's fair to say that Putin has been demonstrably sympathetic at best, not trying to psyop the world into killing itself at worst to American patriots. The same cannot be said about the occupying regime, which literally wants to brainwash and rape your kids and they think it's funny. I'm not necessarily pro-Putin unfailingly, but I do get excited when good things happen. And the greatest impediment to the globalist American empire and the global libtard menace is the existence of strong nationalist countries such as Russia. This is why they're melting down currently. NATO has always been about breaking up Russia. They fear what that country represents. Nationalism, Christianity, and general normality when compared to our completely backwards country. The icing on the cake would be if China, easily recognizing the incompetence of the U.S. military in addition to absolutely no public faith in the institutions, took Taiwan. Kidding! I do not want collapse. I enjoy the system and all of its legitimacy and sexual perversion and multiculturalism. It is my favorite. Everyone who voted for Joe Biden is retarded, literally. This is a fact and there are no exceptions. Like Cernovich said, you are not serious people and you can't be treated with anything beyond this like paternal love and sympathy for your condition as we begin to make it impossible for you to ever do this to our country again. And I have to clarify this to those stuck in this boomer tier Cold War nostalgia. We are the evil empire. Where US military power exists globally, it promotes and enforces sodomy, the genocide of the unborn, and the destruction of the family structure. Russia suffers from these problems domestically, even more so than we do in some instances, but this is in spite of them, not intentionally and directly because of them. My allegiance is not to a literally gay and demonic empire, which is currently beginning the more advanced stages of its implosion, epic, but only to God. I love my country because of its people and history. Its government is trying to actively destroy those things. Therefore, I smile when that government loses legitimacy in the eyes of its own people in the world. I really don't know how else to put it. In our country's present form, if it were free to have power over the globe, it would look something like obese female teachers instructing Arab and Chinese kindergartners about anal sex and Moloch. This is literally a fact. The same dudes who swear they never trust the government, media, or educational institutions are in my DMs shilling State Department talking points. Now, this is, of course, all inarguably correct, but it simply cannot be overstated. When we say God, family, country, that's not meant to be a bumper sticker. That is a hierarchy. We have allowed for this country to become an abomination. And the only reason it hasn't been burned until there is no combustible matter left to fuel the flames is because there are still righteous people here. And so our job is to try as hard as we can to do right by God and to do right by those people and to be one of those people. And the rest is in his hands. And all I need to know, and I do know this, and if you don't, then you're room illiterate. All I need to know is that the globalist cabal is the greatest force for evil currently in the world that exists. Therefore, anything that exists 
exists as an impediment to them, even if not explicitly righteous in itself, is good for American patriots. And that's all we have to focus on. And we absolutely cannot allow ourselves to get lost in the weeds and forget that. The establishment is the enemy. The establishment is the enemy. Write that on the blackboard a hundred times and never forget it. And people will respond to this with State Department talking points as though they're self-justifying. Like, well, John, don't you get it now? China's going to take Taiwan. Okay, that doesn't matter either. No, explain to me why that matters in your own words. I'm curious. Taiwan, yet another client state of the globalist American empire. But even if you're educated enough on the matter to talk about the chips, that still implicates the regime as the ultimate culprit since they've purposefully destroyed our manufacturing and our independence, does it not? So ultimately, the same way that a compass, when functioning properly, will always point north, any proper analysis of these problems will always point to our own regime as the root of the problem. And who do you think invented that technology in the first place? It's made in Taiwan, but who got that ball rolling? Who invented that technology? Who taught them about that? Made in America used to be a badge of dignity and competence. Now it's barely a badge anymore. Plus, it's like, if you want to deal with the chip shortage and like stop making everything smarts to justify it costing more and also to explain why it's manufactured poorly. Oh, well, these new ones are just, they're just so complex. Your refrigerators and dishwashers don't need chips, bud. Okay. Just write better software too. Like computers and phones from the mid 2000s, 2010s, they still work fine without all this unnecessary like fat. But again, it's a red herring. And additionally, things are going to get bad regardless, which we'll finish with. But if our biggest concern is things getting bad because of chip shortages, that's probably going to be like a blessing, right? And none of this means that you have to be pro-China or pro-Russia. I'm not necessarily saying that. I'm simply saying that there is a reason why all of the worst people in the world have chosen the side that they have. And there is a reason that they have mobilized the entire propaganda machine to fire on all cylinders to try to get you to do the same. And you should consider why that may be. And hopefully this has given you some food for thought because the bottom line is like, if you are pro-Ukraine, then you are pro-globalist American empire and you are pro-global libtard menace. Like they smile at that. So ask yourself why. It's okay to just be neutral since the interests of the American people have absolutely nothing to do with Ukraine, but it is not okay to side with these people because despite your best intentions, you're ultimately just shooting yourself in the foot. Like why would you ever Believe what these people are telling you. Remember when they told you that Biden was going to be the moderate candidate? Oh, he was going to unify the country. And now they're telling you, they're saying, um, maybe the enemies are China and Russia and not your neighbor who thinks slightly differently than you. No, no, it's 100% the libtard. The libtard would vote. Oh, and they love voting to send me to a camp if they could. And they would call it accountability. I mean, they supported this less than a year ago. All of this anti-Russia bloodlust, all these violent fantasies about punching Nazis, that they're casting you into those fantasies. We'll talk about that more in a second, but no, my instincts have evolved over many generations of very intelligent, also handsome, honorable, generally talented people, frankly. I'm not going to betray those instincts that they have given to me, those instincts which tell me that the threat is the libtard and not these other folks. And I'm especially not gonna betray those instincts for people who are bizarre and annoying like these people are. But such is the American experience. Nationalism is good, but only when it's for other countries. Civilians having guns is epic and cool everywhere except for literally one of, I believe, three countries where it's enshrined in their constitution as a God-given right. These are the same people who always said the second amendment is stupid because the government has tanks and now they're like, hey, you can fight a tank with a magless AK and a paint balloon, duh. Like they're trying to activate people by tapping into what they've tried so hard to destroy, which kind of concedes that they can't be destroyed because they're just natural and inevitable. And these are things like masculinity, things like nationalism, patriotism, etc. But of course they can only be used when in service of the global libtard menace, which is why you've got these guys who have been double masking in their cars. They're afraid of top 
toddlers. They're refusing to go back to the office. And now they're like posting photographs of Zelensky from like four years ago in a combat helmet. Like, this is what a real man does. This, so much this, real men fight for anal sex. Someone in Lieutenant Diane's family had fought and died for anal sex in every single American war. I guess you could say had a lot to live up to. Like, all of a sudden, defending the homeland is honorable. They're literally inventing hero stories for wartime propaganda, and they all turn out to be complete lies. And then people are like, well, if it inspires people, then it doesn't have to be true. Doesn't that sound a bit strange? Like, you'd think if something really bad were happening, the truth in itself would be inspiring. Like, you wouldn't have to lie about it, right? The most effective propaganda is effective because it condenses what the people know is true into something easily spread, make America great again. But because these people lie, they have to coat the world with so much propaganda that it just ceases to be inspirational by necessity, but rather just the entire foundation for what people believe. But yeah, even the appeals to how this affects the day-to-day when they do them, which is very rare, but when properly analyzed, they just fall flat. Well, the economy's gonna collapse because of this. Again, that's literally because of our ruling class. We control Zed energy independence because people convinced themselves that the world was going to end if we didn't stop cows from farting. And Europe especially let themselves become totally dependent on Russia for oil and gas. Germany even closed nuclear power plants. So like we literally handed the leverage to Vladimir Putin on a silver platter. And Trump was right to criticize this. And it's really not enough to say, oh, well, this never would have happened under under Trump. Biden's an idiot because we really have to understand the difference between the two, the key difference within this context, which is just how they view power. Uh, It's the lion and the fox. And the reason this wouldn't have happened under Trump isn't just because like Putin's afraid of him necessarily, but it's because they're both lions. And Trump would have just said straight up like, hey, Ukraine's not getting into NATO, by the way. And then this crisis like would not exist, but it does. And we're in some hot water because our reigning ideology is global libtardism, which mandates that we must sacrifice up to anything, including our lives for its cancerous propagation. And this of course is what destroyed our energy independence. It's what compelled us to outsource our industrial base to China. And now because we still live in a world where production is power and we don't produce anything, we just have weird debt and user and services and middle managers for the majority of our economy, we're in trouble. So what do we do? Do we take the L? Do we yield to Russia? Nope. Sanctions. Get flanked, Putin. Gotcha. Bet you didn't see that coming. Hey, hey, former KGB operative who managed to take power during the collapse of an empire. Bet you didn't expect us to put sanctions on you. Do you think anybody in Russia cares about sanctions? It's only going to hurt us. Our country's decadent. Russia is strong. They're used to this. They literally will not care. Like, seriously, the United States thinks that they can weaken Russia and draw this conflict out to where Russia becomes unstable enough for regime change, which they're literally calling for openly because of all the reasons that we've been talking about. But the opposite has happened. The people of Russia are actually unifying because of this, and it's because Putin can easily make the argument that Russia is facing an existential threat from the West, which, as we've covered, is actually true. And what's the argument from our government? Our argument is basically that it's really sad that buildings in a country we can't locate on a map are getting blown up. And so we should pay $9 a gallon for gas or ride our bikes to work for the sake of democracy. That's literally the position of our governments. And it's out of touch white liberals. It's not compelling me, Jen. I'm going to be honest. You know, I wouldn't even give up Pop-Tarts for democracy. I haven't had a Pop-Tart in five years. Yeah. And I wouldn't even give up the knowledge, like the feeling that if I were so inclined, I could go to the grocery store and get a box of Pop-Tarts for democracy. Even that is more valuable to me than democracy. And that's actually somewhat accurate because the food shortages we're going to have. So 
Pop-Tarts are not food, but you get it. Like, do you think Russia's worried about sanctions? That's the point. Russia can handle austerity. Americans definitely can't. This society would collapse without an update to the iPhone in the Marvel Cinematic Universe every eight months. But yeah, we're all, what, gonna hop on board for paying $10 a gallon for gasoline because we have to defend democracy in Ukraine? Hey, if you love the values of this country, then you'll jump into a complicated war in which we have no interest. That's why there's no strategic argument. Just rhetoric from a Saturday morning cartoon because we're ruled by children. Like they tell us that our border are abstract and oppressive. Oh, but Ukrainian borders, those are sacred. Jen Psaki tells us that standing up for our values is not without cost. I hate girl bosses. Sorry, sweetie, the cost of everything is going to increase because of who we are. They're saying in order to defend the international liberal order. International liberal order. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like a euphemism for what we refer to around these parts as the global libtard menace. And they say that it's brought 75 years of peace and prosperity. Where? Where's the peace and pro- I broke my binoculars. Where's the peace and prosperity? That just means low testosterone and decadence. What literally, like, that's what that means. When they say peace and prosperity, they mean destroying everything worth caring about so that no one cares enough about anything to stand up for. And also everyone's hooked on screens for 16 hours a day watching propaganda, advertisements, propaganda that are advertisements and advertisements that are more or less propaganda. But hey, you do you. You want to go fight for Ukraine? Go ahead. Everybody that's advocating for this should be shipping over to Ukraine right now. Put your own life on the line or shut up about what should be done with ours, you know? But they won't do that because remember, it's about the interests of the ruling class, of the global libtard menace, and of the globalist American empire. It's not about you. Oh, you can't buy eggs and you're not making enough money for it to be worth it for you to drive to work? Uh, inflation is the price we have to pay to battle Putin. Who's we? Who is we? Why, why don't you do it? Or rather, like, why don't you don't do it? Like, just stop. They're literally going to collapse the empire because they think Putin is mean. The history books will literally write that an orange man with a golden mane bullied the elite class to such an extent that they decided to collapse their own empire out of spite. Talk about 4D chess. The precious metal baby boomers actually might achieve vindication. It could very easily be wraps for the dollar. And then things really get interesting, right? Because the value of the dollar, like we said, is dependent upon its circulation and the global perception that the United States military is capable of competent action. Our government has currently decided to throw both of those out the window to basically like wave its finger in Putin's face. And the world is responding by adjusting itself to prepare for a world where America is no longer the dominant power. They're going to start trading in other currencies. They're not siding with us. Huge economies, top five economies are doing this. So yeah, it's going to get bad for us. And we always talk about, you know, the hard times without really understanding the reality of what that entails. Like this country, I don't think ever has experienced that, to be honest, but we're probably going to, and it's going to really suck for a lot of people. But this is a necessary step, which kind of sounds like the right wing version of what our government is saying, but they're the ones doing this in the first place. I guess we're just trying to make the best of it. You know, we always say it's going to have to get worse before it gets better. But we think that just means like seeing men kissing on television and maybe having your catalytic converter stolen from your car when it's parked in your driveway. But no, the same way that your body purges itself when deathly ill, this country is going to have to endure serious hardship to breed the type of people strong and capable enough to make it great again or to build something greater from the ashes like the Phoenix. And it's precisely this level of comfort and decadence that has enabled so many people, particularly affluent white women, to just blindly support World War III. Like they literally cannot understand that their cozy gated suburb, their HOA meetings, their prescription medication, their wine collection, that is not reality. That is not real. That is something that we like created. That's not the default setting. The default setting of life on this planet is war. It is violence. It is death. Your comfortable life where you don't have to worry about that, which is why you can have a worldview that says, well, if everyone could just get along, that's not the way the world works. 
And in fact, you only have that lifestyle that enables you to think like that in blissful ignorance because men died for you to be able to do that. So don't disgrace their sacrifice by being ungrateful. Don't take this for granted. Don't be blinded by hubris. You think your graduate degree entitles you to this because you're living a life that's an anomaly. And at any moment that could disappear. And in fact, it is such an anomaly that it wouldn't even be missed by history. It wouldn't even be considered something significant enough to write about, like to even document because of how much of an anomaly it is. They'd just be making fun of you for being a fat little piglet. That's what you are, a fat little piglet who's fed itself on so much slop that when the wolves break through the fence, you can't even try to run away. It can't even be mocked thoroughly enough that these people literally thought that they could remove the most natural components of existence, God, family, and country, literally. No wonder that's a conservative motto. And of course, that's because liberalism fundamentally rejects reality, as we've covered thoroughly on this channel. And they literally tried to socially engineer people into rejecting these outdated, archaic convictions after World War II because they were smart enough. So they thought to figure out how to keep people from going to war. And now look at where we are. Look at where we are. The entire Western world is weak because for the last 70 years, it's been fed nothing but weakness. And that really caused us to shoot ourselves in the foot, didn't it? Because now you look at the percentage of people in the West who will actually fight for their respective countries versus those who will do so in non-Western countries. And we're totally screwed. And like you look at the foxes we have in power now in the spiritually feminine regime, they think this is all okay because we can like what? Sing Imagine by John Lennon. We can all just unite against mean people because we're so loving. Vladimir Putin can say, yeah, they're going to put missiles in Ukraine which can reach Moscow. And we just say, well, yeah, because you guys are mean and we're so loving. Now we've got the most insecure, miserable, unstable people advocating for a no-fly zone in Ukraine. They're trying to garner support for war against Putin because he's mean. And of course, this could all literally be avoided if they had just said that Ukraine was never going to be in NATO, went back to neutrality. But these people want blood more than anything. So that's not what's being discussed. Like, we send missiles to his border. He tells us exactly what his problems are. We completely ignore his security interests. We refuse to engage in diplomacy. Oh, why did he do this? Why, what does he want? Men are so confusing. Fact, blue checks literally cannot get it. They are not serious people. Fact, Ukraine's government was overthrown by the global libtard menace for a pro-Western puppet government, and Russia will annex the areas with Russian-speaking populations who want to be a part of Russia, especially because the fake government in Ukraine uses militias to terrorize them, and they have been for almost a decade. Fact, NATO sending missiles is not self-determination. If you believe this, you should be institutionalized. And that's how you know it's all based on incompetent, feminine, prideful impulse. Their biggest asset in this whole thing was their propaganda companies, which they've used for soft coups before, like in, the, in 2014 in Ukraine. But they all pulled out of Russia. Netflix, Disney, Pornhub, all these companies are leaving Russia, which is crippling the biggest weapon that the U.S. had in Russia long term. And this is supposed to be an own. They're cutting off Russia from Marvel movies, porn, sugar water, social media. This is supposed to hurt them. They're going to be Wakanda by next Christmas. It's like when you criticize women and they're like, good luck getting laid, which sort of implies that their only agency is their sexuality and that they're like highly subject to emotionally governed groupthink. Like, sweetheart, you're not, surely you're not suggesting that women have nothing else to offer, right? So maybe it says something when the West gets mad at another country and they tell them, well, we're not going to give you incessantly repetitive children's movies, pornography, poison food, and degenerate media. Like, if that's all we can export to the rest of the world anymore, maybe we aren't the good guys. Does anyone really believe that we're the good guys? I mean, like, we're the good guys, right? But these guys, these libtards, they really are a menace, aren't they? And they're global, which makes things pretty tricky, especially because they're a death cult. Like, are they not? Like these disgusting, scorned, hateful people. They project this hatred onto us at any given opportunity. You're so hateful. You hate me because I'm full of love. You're, I'm so loving and you're just hateful and mean. 
which is ideologically fluent since leftism, of course, is a rejection of nature and nature is life. So yeah, they're a death cult. And if you've been paying attention for the last two years, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like these people want blood. It's people who aren't vaccinated. It's truck drivers. It's now Russians. Before then it was people in MAGA hats, but these people are thirsty for blood. They are miserable people with nothing to lose because their lives are miserable and they've been conditioned to think that it's because of you. That is dangerous. And you see this now with Russian businesses being vandalized, Russians being refused service. People aren't selling Russian vodka, which of course is all just politically correct tribalism because you know, Russians are white. Like we weren't even allowed to say woo flu. We had the whole stop Asian hate narrative, which invented more anti-white sentiment, despite the fact that virtually 100% of all the attacks were being perpetrated by black people, or even the war crimes that you're seeing now against Russian POWs. I've seen the leaked videos. I wish I didn't. And of course they'll say, well, it's probably staged. They never said that about the reverse though, or even believed it when it was proven to be fake and staged that the Ukrainians were staging these things. Or when Ukrainians were shelling ethnically Russian areas while retreating, there was no coverage. Ukrainian government handing out weapons to criminal gangs causing chaos and more civilian deaths, no coverage. Ukraine purposefully defending from residential areas to force as many civilian casualties as possible to gain support for Western involvement in the conflict. No coverage, why not? Because you are the Russian. You are the guy who allegedly died from COVID after speaking out against the vaccine. Remember how they would masturbate to those articles? Whenever these people see dead Russians, Russians getting tortured, when they demand the most brutal methods of execution, they're thinking about you. It doesn't matter what skin you're wearing, right? The truck driver, the Trump voter, the Russian, they only view you as something opposed to the liberal regime. And so they have a vicious contempt for you. Above all else, because you're normal. Never forget that these people hate what is normal and you can see it on their faces. They want to make the world as disgusting and backwards as they are. They're openly saying that being a soldier means doing what you have to do, including killing a surrendered soldier and unarmed enemies. Just like in Saving Private Ryan, doing what you have to do is a means to what ends. What is the ultimate good? It is whatever they want as defined by the global libtard menace. It's starting to become clear how Bolshevism had so many willing executioners, isn't it? Jordan Peterson gets this absolutely right. He says it's revenge against God for the crime of being. It's Cain and Abel. They destroy everything natural and good and beautiful. In 1935, it was a bullet to the back of the head while on your knees in a field if these people determined that you were an enemy to the people. And one of these freaks would be the ones pulling the the trigger. Never forget that these people are all cut from the same cloth. Read about Bolshevism. Read about the Spanish Civil War. History repeats because the world and human nature never change. Leftists have always been like this. You just don't learn about it because they control the flow of information. They have always been angry, disgusting, resentful people. And you're their target because you're normal. And look at how quickly they get everybody on board with this, or at least to reveal their bloodlust towards normal people. They manufactured a global outrage in a matter of a week, and it wasn't real. It was put there by people who know you better than you know yourself because they've studied the brain and they know how to manipulate it, which is why there have been dozens of wars with millions of casualties in the last two decades. You didn't care about any of them until you were told to, but you can't even explain this to them anymore because it's like they're a different person. They've been infected by it. All the ghost of Kiev, ghost of Kiev, ghost of a Kiev epic, epic Snake Island warriors that die rather than surrender. So epic. And it's all lies. That's not even the point, though. It's not to get Ukraine excited to boost their morale. It's to prime these fucking Marvel brained Reddit zombies into becoming neocons. And it's working like we're watching in real time as our intelligence agencies and corporate media outlets are literally manufacturing consent for U.S. intervention in this conflict by turning 
turning it into an epic story with epic heroes and dialogue, and it's working. And half of them who support this admit that they know it's fake, but they wanna pretend it's real because it's like their favorite movie or something. And remember, this is the same class of people who think they're so educated for knowing who Noam Chomsky is. Oh, Trump did something? <laughs> Read Manufacturing Consent. Read Manufacturing Consent. Read Manufacturing Consent. You go to their Twitter profile, Ukrainian flag, Black Lives Matter, they, them. Like, bro, you are the manufactured consent. It's you. Anyone with a greater than room temperature IQ knows the media and governments are corrupt liars, yet you side with them. And through this demonstration, we learn more about you than them. But the good news, at least, is that in the last few years, everyone's been forced to show their hand. I mean, we know what cards everyone is holding, and we know who has a spine, and we know who doesn't. We learned about the percentage of the population that can literally be reprogrammed to believe absolutely anything, like... When they call us cattle, they're, you know, they're not joking. It's not nice, but they're not joking. It's literally an NPC software update. New NPC AI installing. Because whenever something happens that the ruling class decides is important, which is typically why it happens in the first place, all of these people move to voice their allegiance with the correct side as deemed by the media and the elite. Like there's no nuance, no context, just pure raw allegiance, which is communicated primarily via social media. You share the infographics, you change your profile picture, you share links to funds and charities, and you generally vocalize in support of the correct side. And if you can tell, I've been fully convinced now, after you know flirting with this for the better part of the last two years probably, 95% of people are not even real. These are the same people who got excited about Coney 2012 as adults. I saw that when I was 12. I was like, oh no, we gotta help. And I watched it a few years ago and I was like, this is stupid. But if you breed a society of people who are always children, never really adults in the traditional sense, they'll believe anything, even something that only a 12 year old would buy. So just know and be comfortable with the fact that like the vast majority of Americans have no real rational political criteria for what they support. They literally just bounce between ideologically antithetical positions based on nothing but marketing, public perception, and media narratives. And they even celebrate this. You know, they'll argue that misinformation is bad, but liberal misinformation is good because it crowds out space where bad misinformation might take hold. Furthermore, the sentiment behind liberal misinformation is good. And isn't that really what matters? I don't know, Laura Edelson. I tend to like the truth, but we don't share common ground there, I guess. These people like control, and the biggest tool for control is your television, it's your phone. It's not me, it's not YouTube, man. This man is your friend, he fights for freedom. But if not for your television and for your phone, none of this would have any bearing on your life. You'd maybe hear about it and go, huh, that's messed up, but it wouldn't become the overriding ambition of your entire consciousness. The same way that if the media didn't coordinate to pretend that a new strain of the flu was something different, you'd have gone, ah, flu season again, damn it but nothing else would have happened. All of this hysteria is completely manufactured. It becomes less of a story and more just material with which to construct the hyper consensus filter that dictates all of our lives. And now you have people who aren't supposed to trust the government and who aren't supposed to trust the media. Now they're getting psyops into thinking that we need to go fight a war on behalf of the people who control both of those things. Well, yeah, but you know, you know, we're gonna get some Ukrainian women out of it. No, no, you won't. No, I made that joke too. People started taking it seriously. Now it's gotta stop. Stop romanticizing Ukrainian women. They're insufferable. Well, yeah, but you know, they're super hot. They're super hot. If you want to, if you want to get a hot girl, you got to deal a little crazy. No, no, you don't. No. Oh, to get a Lamborghini, you got to get a salvage title. Not if you can afford not to, big guy. Are we feeling anxious yet? Are we feeling indignant yet? I'm assuming if you're still here, which I appreciate, thank you, you more or less value my opinion in some capacity. So my prescription to you is to study history. A true study of history is one of the most enriching things you can do. It's almost meditative in a way, like it makes you feel less alone. You know, you hear like, oh, history repeats. But when you study it in the proper way, not in the airport bookstore way, the proper way, you're like, uh-oh, like it's real. But here's the good news. What we're dealing with now 
it might seem new, but it's not. You know, the technology might be new, the faces might be new, but in essence, we're suffering from the consequences of a decadent and perverse elite class, which is nothing new at all. I mean, they are the symptoms of a dying society. And we are an empire in decline now. And as we said earlier, these people have become so decadent and perverse that they literally have lost their ability to perceive reality. It's that simple. And since insanity and competence are mutually exclusive, as the machine drifts farther from reality, its ability to function diminishes, which is what we've been seeing for a few decades now, but very clearly for the last few years in particular. So as the political order decays uh, internationally, it's going to become more impotent on the global scale, but it's going to become a lot more totalitarian here at home to compensate for that. Uh, so preparing for that, you know, of course, they've been purging the military of opposition. They've been implementing the surveillance state or rather continuing to. They're mobilizing law enforcement against political dissent at all levels. And if you want to see a good comparison of where we're headed, look at Brazil. Like, the only thing preventing us from becoming a third world country is the perceived strength of the U.S. dollar. And now the things that would need to happen in order for that to go away are beginning to happen. And after that, the collapse of the material standard of living, you know, the only thing that we're going to have left is people. We're going to have our friends. We're going to have our family, those that we care about. And it's that network that's going to get us through that if we are to get through that. So... There's one more clip I want to play for you, which is a good ending summary, but also discusses the one thing that we would have to hold us together, which is our families, our heritage. Even that is being destroyed. Take a look. So say what you will about Vladimir Putin. Oh, he's a dictator. You don't live under a dictatorship. You don't live under tyranny. Oh, he kills journalists. That doesn't happen here. I mean, literally any criticism that you could have of Putin in Russia exists here in greater magnitude, except that they're materially less well off than we are. But even that, I mean, you look at the gas prices and everything. If gas goes up, everything it's goes up. It's $1.80 US right now per gallon in Russia. Yeah, so whatever we have now to wave our finger at them, that's gonna go away pretty quickly. The bottom line is that Russia, of course, is not perfect, but at the end of the day, uh, Russia and China are nationalist and relatively traditionalist countries. And you'll say, well, they have higher abortion rates and they have higher HIV rates. That's happening in spite of Russia, right? Their government is not trying to orchestrate that from the top down like ours is. Our government has two official policies right now. One is official and has been for a while. One's on the way that are some of the most like grotesque examples of tyranny I could ever imagine. And you don't see this in Russia. You don't see this in China. One, it is the current position of the West, whether that's in the United States or Europe, to replace its native populations with mass immigration. That is the official policy. They don't have that in Russia. Yeah. So maybe they're all drunk, maybe they all are getting STDs, but at least they know that their descendants are more or less gonna inherit the same country. Maybe it's a crappy country, materially speaking, but it's more or less the same country, whereas it is the official policy of America since 1965 and of Europe, broadly speaking, to replace the native populations with mass immigration from the third world. Secondly, the policy that's being worked on being totally implemented is where the state can say, well, you're not agreeing with your child's gender identity, so we actually have the authority to usurp you as the parents and know what is best for the child and we can come and save that child. We can come and take them out of that bad situation. Which anytime they talk about the child consenting, obviously it's because they want to rape your kids, but it's also because they like, you know, the, the child can never consent because it's a child. Something is always going to be fueling that. And if it's not the parent, it's going to be the media. It's going to be teachers. Someone's always going to be talking into their ear, telling them, you know, oh, this is what you need to be doing. So when they're saying we want the child to be able to consent, that's just them wanting control over the child to take that away from you. And if you don't have country, you don't have land, you don't have heritage, and not even going back, you don't even have a future, you don't have forward, you don't have your descendants, what left do you have? So yeah, Russia sucks. But you know what? As long as they are destabilizing and serving as the biggest impediment on the global stage to a satanic evil empire that is the United States, they have my full support. God bless Vladimir Putin. Whoa. Hey, hey, take it easy, big guy. 
Let's not blow things out of proportion here. And a lot of people will listen to this, how we went through the whole explanation, and they might understand why we're sympathetic to Russia, why we're against the globalist American empire and the global libtard menace, but they'll still see clips like that and they'll think that we're using almost endearing language to describe Putin or Xi Jinping because we secretly like them. We think they're aligned with us or something. Maybe they're more aligned with us than our own leaders are because they're not trying as hard to destroy us. But I think the real explanation of that is this. You know, you look at China. They had their century of humiliation, a century of losing, of existing not proudly, but pathetically. And now in less than a few generations, they're becoming a global superpower, if not the global superpower. You look at Russia, you look at a guy like Vladimir Putin, a guy who saw the collapse of the Soviet Union, something I believe he described as the greatest geopolitical catastrophe of the 20th century. And he sits back and he bides his time and he takes power and he starts to slowly get things on the right track by his standards, just like by Xi Jinping's standards, China's getting on the right track. And the point is this, we're entering our period of humiliation. We are 1990s Russia. The same way that some girl breaks your heart, you cry about it, but then you use that vision of yourself in a pathetic state to start lifting weights and bettering yourself. We have been flying too close to the sun for too long. Maybe it's our fault, maybe it's someone else's fault, it's nonetheless true. The same way it took China 100 years to rise, they were humiliated, defeated, raped, literally by Japan. They were balkanized by warlords, they had famines and communist genocides. Now here they are. And because we all know the cycle that things are gonna get worse before it gets better, maybe this is the way that that ends up happening. Maybe as bizarre as it sounds, maybe Russia needs to win so that the West can see defeat and then learn from it because no one can learn from comfort or stagnation, which is what we have now. To borrow from our Marvel fanboys, it's the only way, right? But in the same way that Russia's not like exactly winning, but more so that the West is losing because we're stupid, the right in this country isn't winning. It's just that the left is losing because it's stupid. And if we want to win, we have to act like it. But in the meantime, batten down the hatches, my fellow pirates, because it's going to get worse from here. And there doesn't appear to be anything good yet on the horizon for us. Hey guys, if you like this video, leave it a thumbs up, leave it a comment, subscribe to the channel, turn on post notifications, and of course, of course, excuse me, did a lot of talking. Share the video with a friend, preferably your middle-aged liberal wine aunt, please, please. Um, I did so much talking, dude. Anyways, okay, we're feeling good. I did want to ask, uh, I don't want to do any more big projects like this for a while, you know? I, what do you guys want to see? Do you want to see less frequent but longer content that is more thorough? You know, we really dive into things, or do you want to see... Uh, more frequent content that doesn't get as like big picture, I guess I would say. You know the difference. Just let me know in the comments and I will be reading. So hope you guys enjoyed this. Thank you so much for watching. May God bless America. Poof.